James chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Sorry about that, church. Verse 1. My brethren, don't be many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Everybody wants to be a teacher, say, praise the Lord. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in what he says, the same is a perfect or mature man. So one of the ways to gauge our maturity is how we're talking. And, now notice this, if any man offend not in word, the same is a mature man and able also to control his whole body. Now I want to just say before we move to the next verse that a lot of people's bodies, and I've been there, you've been there, a lot of people's bodies or what they're feeling in their bodies controls their mouth. They feel sad, they talk sad. They feel bad, they talk bad. They feel like complaining, they complain. That's their body controlling their tongue. This scripture says our tongue has the power to control our bodies. If you don't like what your body's doing, or let me even say that, if you don't like what your body is feeling, your words of faith can change it. But you have to be consistent. You know, making one good confession and then two hours later, three bad confessions, those three bad ones overrode the good one. You do understand that, don't you? A dual confession is one of the worst things. It's, it's being double-minded. One day you're confessing one thing, next day you're confessing something else, and the dual confession is what defeats most people. Let me know if you're driving down the road and you turn left. Well, but you're supposed to go right. How I many know you're going to have to turn right to go right? But if you keep going left, right, left, right, left, right, you're never going to get to where you're going. And you're going to go, God, why isn't this working? He's going to go, why are you talking right? Why aren't you speaking right? So he said, he said in verse 2 that our tongue is supposed to control or bridle our whole body. And that also includes in the area of sickness and disease. If your body's not feeling well, your tongue has the power to change whatever's hurting you. But it also has the power to maintain what's hurting you. It also has the power to drive deeper what's hurting you. And the enemy knows this. And so, keep reading here. It says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths, still talking about tongue, the tongue and our words, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, you go, oh, my problem is so great. A little, learning a little bit about confession is not my answer. Oh, this problem is so great. Oh, this doctor's report is so awful. Oh, this is so terrible. What's going on in my marriage? Oh, this addiction is so awful. Oh, it's so awful. It's so great. It's so great. It may be great, but it's not too great if you get your tongue fixed, if you get your words fixed, if you get your speech fixed. Because that's what he's saying here. He says, oh, these ships, even though they be so great, and they are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And so I love this verse because he's talking about how problems start. They start with a spark. They start really small. But if that is not watered down, if that is unattended, if it's around dry stuff, that little spark, you know, a lot of times the evidence of the big fire was burned up when the fire started raging. And they never find the evidence. 
But you know what? A lot of times people have these problems in their life, but because of all the bigness of the problems and all the so, so much stuff that's affected, they fail to go back and realize, wait a minute, that can't all be because I wasn't talking right. No, this is a big problem. Talking wrong can't produce this big a problem. This is something else. This is the devil. This is the fallen world I live in. This is somebody else. No. So much of our problems can be traced back to little sparks of wrong words that we never corrected. Aren't you glad to know that if you have big problems in your life, you can turn them around? Just like you can turn a big ship around in the midst of fierce winds with a real small helm, whithersoever the governor lists, you can turn your life around with just talking better. Oh, that's just so small. That's not my problem. My problem is cancer. My problem is divorce. My problem is a sin. My pro no, most people's problems is right under their nose. This is one of the best things to study if you want a miracle in your body or if you want healing in your body. Go back and look and see how you've been talking. Not, not just what good confessions have I made in the midst of a bunch of not so good confessions. How has your vocabulary been for the last two weeks, three months, four years? How, how how's your voc not just how have your good confessions been during your devotion time, how have you been talking after devotion time? That's the big deal. Hmm? Now what I was gonna do earlier and I said we'll do later, is I think we all, maybe all, some of us, we all just maybe need to ask the Lord to forgive us for some things in this area. Some of the words we've said. And I don't like bad confessions going out in my future that I haven't acknowledged as sinful actions. Now, I'm going to say this since you're the Friday night crowd. It's kind of important, I think. There's some teaching out today that says you don't have to confess your sins and you don't have to repent. And they're trying to say 1 John chapter 1 and is not for believers, which is absolutely ignorance, big time. You didn't have to be a deep scholar. You could just read some of the language in there about who John was writing to. And believers, if, if, here's the thing. You ready? It takes courage and maturity to admit you did something wrong. And a lot of people are flat out too chicken to say it. And therefore, they're developing doctrine now saying you don't have to do it. It takes some pretty hefty maturity to admit you did wrong and to put your mistake in the light and walk in the light and be honest. I said it takes courage to confess your sins, to admit you did something wrong. And some people just don't have the courage these days. And I think they're looking for some kind of doctrine to kind of get out of it. You can't get out of it. If you want to walk in the light, then everything about you has to be exposed by the light. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying to everybody on the planet. I'm just saying, number one, to the Lord, and at times to other people. You have to be clean. You have to be open. You have to be... You can't be afraid. It takes, it takes courage to tell somebody, I am sorry. That takes, that takes some maturity to do that. It's not the easiest thing to do to say, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. Now, there's, there's something that keeps a lot of people from saying those two words, I'm sorry. And one of, the main, one of the main things is fear. But at times, that fear comes out through pride. Pride is a front. Pride is saying, I can't look weak 
in the mind of other people. I can't look like I did something wrong. Friend, that's called how you stop the Lord from being able to help you. Pride is one of the most awful things. It, it, it's the devil is the king of pride, it says in the book of Job. And you have to, you have to spit that out. You've got to say, Lord, shine the light. Show me where I'm off. Pride is a huge hindrance to receiving anything you need from the Lord. See, some people think pride is confidence, and it's not. A lot of times, confidence is believing that if I walk honestly, and I walk in the light, and I'm open about my mistakes, God's going to take care of me, He's going to forgive me, and His mercy is greater than all my mistakes, and you're going to go on a lot more powerful than somebody who's trying to act like they got it all together, and they don't. You know, enough pride will take you to hell. Enough pride, you won't think you need Jesus. You won't think you need a Savior. You won't think you need the blood. You won't think you have to you know, obey. You'll think you won't have to follow. Enough pride can really be destroyed. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. But some people just got to admit, you know what? I made some bad confessions. Lord, forgive me. You know, there, there's, there's some things God said about that. If you think about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt... You can, see their, you can see why they didn't enter into the promised land. You know I, what I should say? You can hear why they didn't enter into the promised land. All their sins and mistakes came out in the form of words that were evil. If they just would have at least zipped their mouth shut, they probably would have made it into the promised land. But see, the devil knows this. And I want, I want to get to this next verse. Y'all doing okay? Next verse, where are we at? Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. We're talking mainly about the, un, the tongue that's not yielded to the Holy Ghost. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body. Does, can your tongue affect your body? In a bad way. In a negative way. Yes, it can even in the area of sickness and disease. And it sets, and the tongue sets on fire the course of nature. See how these things start years before they show up. And it is set on fire of hell. So hell wants your tongue. That's what I titled this message tonight. Hell wants your tongue. And then right under that I put Why? Why does hell want your tongue? Can I tell you one reason why hell wants your tongue? Why, he, why the devil wants you speaking things against the word of God, against God's will? Let me tell you one of the reasons why hell wants your tongue. Because hell believes Mark eleven twenty three. The devil believes what Jesus said. I know that may sound strange, but the devil may be dumb but he's not stupid he believes what Jesus said whoever shall say and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass Jesus said he'll have whatever he says the devil believes that and the devil knows that's a truth he's been around a long time he knows he's seen God operate this way he's seen other people operate this way he's seen he knows that. so the devil knows that he really doesn't have to destroy us He's just got to get us to destroy ourselves. 
Are you following? He has to get us to use our God-given abilities against ourselves. And a lot of these things happen through the law of seed time and harvest. You know, you, you plant seeds, wrong words, this year, and then maybe a few months or years go by, and you see major problems in the later years. Most people, because they, they, don't, they don't think something that small could produce this big problem, they don't even go back and look to see if that was where it started. They're just wondering why in the last day or two this all this happened. Not realizing a lot of this stuff has been spiritual law working against you for a long time. Now, go to Proverbs chapter 18 before I make this next statement. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and verse 21. The devil knows he's got to get you to use your God-given powers against yourself. Do you know Satan can't do anything to you without your cooperation? Did you know that? He can't do anything. Then he'll try to work through your mind. He'll try to work through your body. So if you keep your mind in check and your body under control, there's virtually nothing the devil can do to you. But if you're loose in your thought life, if you're not disciplined in your actions, he has avenue to start harassing you in certain areas. And he doesn't care if it takes five years to get, pull you down. He'll work on you five years. Just, you know. But he can't do anything to you without your cooperation. So look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 through 21. Now I want you to relate all this to healing and miracles showing up in your life. Some healings and some miracles are by degree. The more you get your mouth tweaked properly, the more these things can show up in your life. It may be a miracle over time, a little bit better every day, a little bit better every week. Did you know, did you know a little improvement every week for 104 weeks equals a lot of improvement? Hmm? That's called receiving a miracle by degree are receiving a miracle by healing. The nobleman's son began to amend, implying that wasn't immediate. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Sometimes there's a recovery process. We believe in the immediate. We believe in straight ways. We believe in things happening suddenly. We do. But that doesn't do away with the fact some healings and some miracles, if people would just believe for a little bit of improvement every week, where would they be in three years from now? Probably 100% miraculously delivered and free from a thing, something that there was no natural known cure for. Hmm? It's called healing by degree. It's called healing by amending, by recovery. And that's just as good. <laughs> Praise God. So, Proverbs says, a man's belly, that's talking about your life, a man's belly, not just your stomach, shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Don't go to the next verse, but let's think about this verse for a second. If you're not satisfied with your level of health, if, you're not satisfied with our, if we're not satisfied with our level of prosperity, with our, with our marriage, with, our, with whatever, if we're not satisfied, what should we look to? What, what should we consider working on? What your mouth is producing, the fruit, the produce, what's coming out of your mouth. Satisfaction in your life has most to do with how you're talking and how you're believing. 
I know we've got people pointing the fingers. No, it's them who said this and it's them who treated me wrong. This scripture says there's something in your life more powerful than what anybody can do to you. The most powerful influence in your life is you other than the Lord, you know. It's you. And even you, and even God, He wants certain things for people, but if they're not going to change the way they talk and change the way they believe, even He can't force on a person's life what He wants them to have. So a man's life or belly shall be satisfied with what's coming out of his mouth. You think, no, our belly is satisfied by what we eat. No, Jesus said our, our life is satisfied by what, what we say, what comes out of our mouth, not what goes into our mouth. A man's life will be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. So I say this, if you don't like what you've been having, check up on what you've been saying. So, if you want increase of healing, then you need increase of talking healing. The increase of his lips. Shall, what does that mean? It means if you want increase in any area of your life, you're going to have to turn up your confession in that area of your life of the promises of God. And you're going to have to take confession more seriously like a profession. How many know if you have a profession? There's some things you do every single day of your life to see that that profession, that you're a good steward of it, that you're profiting from it. We need to take confession as serious as our jobs. You go when you don't feel like it. Right? You work hard when you feel like taking a nap. You get to bed the night before so you can get up early and go to work. You plan the day before around the next day. What are you doing? You're taking your work or your profession seriously. We need to take confession of scriptures that serious if we want to see some fruit and results in this area. We can't just be confessing the word when we feel like it's powerful. We can't just be confessing the word when we have time. We make time for vital things. Death, how serious is this? Well, Proverbs says in the next verse, death and life are in the power of the tongue. How important is a teaching on confession? Well, it's a life and death issue here. This is a life and death issue. People have not realized when they get to heaven, they're going to see and it's going to be revealed. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. My own words had a lot to do with me leaving the earth early. I mean, death is a pretty strong word. Death and life, it's not up to God when you die. It ain't up to the devil when you die. He's saying right here, when you die, how you die, has a lot to do with your tongue. Right. How you talk. What is your vocabulary? Not just a good confession or a bad confession once in a while, but how do you talk on a normal basis? And if you want to know how you really are, and if you want to know how you really talk, look back to the last time you were pressured. Look to the last time you were attacked. This is who you really are. Look to the last time a trial came your way. How did you talk? And you may have to crawl, you know, crawl to your bed and fall on the bed and cry out and say, God, help me not to be this way anymore. And this is where growing up comes in. You know, one of the most powerful things about spiritual maturity is Paul said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. So really, again, we're talking about what we talked about last week. We're talking about growing up and healing. 
the connection between maturity and healing. As you grow up in the Lord, you realize you can't just say what you feel like saying. You can't talk like the world, and you can't talk like three-quarters of church people either. Not if you want the victory, not if you want to see the finish line, not if you want to get the miracle. You can't talk or act like or believe like most people, including three-quarters of the church, if not more. You're going to have to be a little different. <laughs> right? You're going to have to be willing to take a little bit of persecution. Because <laughs> you're going to talk different. But how many think different could be really good? Right. Like, how many like to break out of where you're at and go to the higher levels? you want to go higher? Well, then we're going to have to talk better. Talk better, live better. Talk better, live better. Now, I figure if the Lord, if God Himself had to say it before he saw it. We're going to have to say it before we see it. Right. If you read Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be this, let there be that, let there be a firmament, let there be this, let there be seed, let there be that. Let there, and then verse 31 says, and God saw. Maybe we'll go to that in just, well, let's, let's go to that in just a second. But I want, did you all get this here? Now, let's read both these verses now together. Back up to the 20th verse. I'll be patient. <laughs> A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So words produce things in our life. Fruit. Good fruit or bad fruit. And you and I both know fruit is not something that happens immediately. It happens over time. Right? Fruit. They that love it will eat the fruit thereof. It takes time for these things to appear. But because of the world we've grown up in, most people do not trace their problems back to how they've been talking for the last three to five years. And I'm not saying every single problem in every person's life has to do with exactly what I'm talking about, but there's a connection to all of it with the tongue. Now, let me just say this. Now, I wanted to bring this up because I want you to think about these words. Kenneth Hagin was ministering to a young man at one time, endeavoring to get the man healed, praying the prayer of faith. And the Lord stopped him and checked him and said, stop praying for him. Now listen real closely to what I'm going to say. This was not the will of God, what I'm going to tell you about. This is just how the Lord saw it, and this is how the man you know, dealt with things in life. Brother Hagin was ministering to this man and praying for his healing, and the Lord said, stop. He's going to die. It's not my will that he dies, but I'm going to tell you why he's going to die. You ready? The Lord told Kenneth Hagin as he was praying for this sick young man. He said to Brother Hagin, Jesus said, Son, stop praying for him. S spiritual laws were set in motion long ago that cannot be reversed at this time. Don't pray for him, he's going to die. That doesn't do away at the fact that divine healing is for everybody. That doesn't do away at the fact that our Father God wants all people healed. He's telling us something so we could learn from it. He said, and, and listen to, to the rest of the story. He said, spiritual laws, son, were set in motion long ago in the life of this man you're praying for. 
And these spiritual laws that were set in motion long ago by him cannot be reversed at this time. Interesting. Do you realize that words are, it's a spiritual law in effect. You're going to have what you say. Death and life is in the power of the These words have to do with spiritual laws. It's one of the things when he was taught. Well, this is interesting. Think about this. The man had said all his life, he found out, he talked to relatives, he found out. that so, And he died before he was 40. He died really young in life. But they found out as he was growing up, he would constantly say, I won't live past 40. I won't make it past 40. I'll, I'm going to die before I'm 40. He had said that. He had thought that. He imagined that. Those are spiritual laws that are set in motion. Now, could he have changed? Yeah. But the Lord obviously saw he was too steep in it that he was just going to die and go home and be with the Lord. And I thought, you know, I thought of the whole thing about Elvis Presley. You know, I was reading, I'd heard somewhere that Elvis Presley, he didn't really prophesy his death, I don't think, but he said some things that alluded to the, to the fact that he just he was operating in spiritual laws that I don't think he knew he was operating in. And so I found this quote from him. Um, Elvis said, I don't know why my mom had to go so young. She had died at a young age. But it did make me think about death. I don't feel I'll have a long life. That's why I have to get what I can from every day. That's a spiritual law. Are you following? That, that's a spiritual law that was set in motion. Could right teaching have corrected it? Probably. That's why we're so big on teaching and preaching, not just praying for people. Thank God for praying. But man, if you don't get teaching and preaching, some of these things will go unchecked in your life. And even if you are prayed for, the things you're operating in will override the prayer. And you know, you're going to go to the direction of what's in your heart and mind more than what somebody laid hands on you. And I thought that, think about it again. Spiritual, Jesus said spiritual laws were set in motion long ago that cannot be reversed at this time. Here's the thing I think we need to watch out. We need to primarily, two things we need to do. We need to change anything about our vocabulary that's killing us. And I'm not saying six feet under necessarily, but maybe a dream, maybe a marriage, maybe health, maybe whatever. We need to change our vocabulary and start talking like God talks about ourselves. Find, find any scripture in the Bible that says, you know, God says, now, when you're sick, keep saying it and keep telling other people you're sick. If you can find it, then do that. But I can't find it. Right. I find scriptures that say when you're up against a problem, say, he's, say that you're more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Say that I'm a world overcomer. Say that I'm a child of God. By his stripes I was healed. Christ has redeemed me from that stupid thing. Right. I claim victory over that. I rebuke it. Amen. Say it. Talk it. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. There's two things we need to understand about confession. Number one, yes, find scriptures to help you talk right. Memorize them. Say them. Put them on cards. Record yourself saying them. Listen to yourself saying those scriptures as you go to bed. Wake up. We need, to get, we need to really get things changed on the inside of us. But number two, we have got to, we've got to, we've got to, we've 
got to watch it under pressure. Because this is where your heart is really active when pressure comes. And I'm going to say it like the Lord told this to me. When you, what you speak under pressure is the key to which way you're going to go, up or down. When pressure comes, you can either win or lose according to what you say. The entire reason the devil puts pressure on people is so they will say what he wants them to say instead of what God wants them to say. If we say what the devil wants, he wins the battle. The tongue is set on fire of hell. Actually, before you go to Mark 5, turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. You guys doing all right? See, this, this is healing and miracle night. But did you know you could receive a miracle in a service where there's mass faith? But if some of these things need adjusted or corrected in your life, and they're not corrected or adjusted, you could be back in the same shape two weeks from now. Because the enemy's not... Just because you got healed from something doesn't mean the enemy's never going to try to attack you again. But when you learn these things, you can not only get a healing, you can maintain a healing. You're not only going to get a miracle, you can maintain a miracle. And I, this is so interesting because a lot of people just don't see this as that important. They, they look at it like the Bible says they would look at it. Oh, it's just, it's such a little thing. It's such a little member. It, it's, it's, it's just, you know, Pastor, I don't need to be taught confession. I have cancer. I have a big problem. Well, one of your biggest problems is you don't understand the power of your words. Right. Do you know what I figured? I found out a person being diagnosed with cancer by a doctor is really not that big a deal. The big deal is, what are you going to believe about it and talk about it after you're diagnosed? That's the big deal. Faith is way more powerful than organic things going on in your body. Faith created the universe. The most important thing is, what are you going to believe about that report? And how are you going to talk about that report? Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. That would be healing of cancer, right? Deliverance from any addiction. It's everything. Or he lied. Well, he didn't lie, church. The Lord didn't lie. Freedom from anything is possible to those that believe. All right. So in Job chapter 1, look at verse 11. And then we'll look at chapter 2, verse 5. Job 1. Look what he says. Satan said to God, God, put forth your hand now. Take your protection off of Job. Touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Why is Job... What's his, what's his goal here? What's the devil's goal toward Job? What, what's the devil's goal? To get him to say something against God. To say something against the truth. To curse God. <clears throat> right? I mean, he could have said a thousand and one things here. He could have said, Lord, take your hand off him and blah, blah, blah. Or take he said, no, Lord, you do this and you watch. He will... Something will come out of his mouth <laughs> different than what's coming out of his mouth now because your protection's all around him and because you're blessings. Satan is constantly trying to get you and me to say things that are against what we know is in the Word of God. And if we yield, he wins that battle. I'm not saying he wins the war, but he wins that battle. 
Not that you can't jump right back in there and win from where you're at, but I'm telling you, every time we say something that is not in line with what we clearly know is in the Scriptures, we yield it to the devil and he gets a point on the, on the scoreboard. Hmm. See, we're going to all repent here in just a second, so hang on. Praise God for His mercy and grace. I mean, how many people actually are going to say, Lord, forgive me for complaining? Lord, forgive me for speaking doubt when I know better. Huh? Well, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, and the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Sometimes you have to open your mouth and not be afraid and have the courage to say, God, forgive me. I flaked out. It's okay. He loves you. He's merciful. He'll lift you up. Everything's going to be all right. (laughs) Amen? It's called walking in the light of God. So look at chapter 2, verse 5. So the devil attacks him, but now he attacks him again and says, Now God put forth your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse you to your face. See, the devil's constantly trying to get Job to say things to hurt God and to hurt himself. Just be aware of that. Just be aware that a lot of the, a lot of the whole reason the enemy will put pressure on you is to get you to say something and forfeit the help of God in your life. And, but you know, you can be forgiven. We can repent. We can get right back in the game. We can win the war. We can even win the battle. Win the game. We may have, may have lost an inning, but you can win the game. Now turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I hope you're having fun tonight, because I am. Mark 5. And let's start at verse 25. The woman with the issue of blood who got healed. Mark chapter 5. And verse 25. And a certain woman, well, we're certain people, right? A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians, he'd spent all that she had, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway or immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt, everybody say she felt, in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? He looked round about to, her, to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, my power has made you whole. Nope. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Nope. Is that not what it said? Nope. No, it is not. Daughter, my grace made you whole. Nope. Is that what he said? What did Jesus put the emphasis on? What did Jesus put the emphasis on? Somebody tell me, what did Jesus put the emphasis on as how she got healed? Her faith. What should we put the emphasis on? What Jesus put the emphasis on. Right? We should put the emphasis on what Jesus put the emphasis on. What did Jesus put the emphasis on? Faith. What should we put the emphasis on? 
Jesus, he could have said anything he wanted here. We know it was the power of God that flowed out of him. We know that it was the grace of God. What did he want us thinking about how this woman got healed? What did Jesus want us thinking about? Your faith can make you whole. What do you mean your faith? Your faith in Jesus, your healer, your faith in healing scriptures, your faith in the fact that you were healed by his stripes, your faith can make you whole. Well, if her faith in Jesus and her faith in her act of touching and believing she received can make her whole, our faith can make us whole. Right. Amen. Amen. So, but now I want you to notice two, two words here. Now, did you see that? It said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Look at verse... 28, what's the first three words? Hmm? For she said. Right? Next verse, and she felt. She said, and then she felt. She said, and then she felt. Right? She said, if I touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And then she felt. Right? She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. What came first? Feeling better or saying? Saying did. Saying comes before feeling. Okay, church, we got that. But most people are saying what they're feeling. We're supposed to be feeling what we're saying. Maybe not immediately, but come on, let's get into the lifestyle here. Most people are saying what they're feeling. This woman felt what she said. She could have said what she felt, but she decided to say what she believed. And her words of faith caused her to tap into the power of God, open the door for Jesus, and the healing power flowed. And Jesus said it was because of her faith in Him and her faith in the power. And her faith in doing what she said she would do. And she actually believed what she said, said would come to pass. She said if I... She didn't say if Jesus does something. Friend, here's the thing. There was a crowd of people thronging Him this day. Just being close to Jesus and pressing in upon Him and loving Him doesn't mean you're going to get anything from Him. They were doing that. You'd have to add the Scripture to say that anybody else was healed in this throng except her. And you know they all had needs in their lives. Many of them did, I'm sure. What you feel is not supposed to control your mouth. Your mouth is supposed to control what you're feeling. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. She did not say, If Jesus touches me. No. She did not say, if, if I can just, you know, if he'll just come by my door, if he'll come by my house. She did not say, If Jesus touches me. She said, If I do something, I will be whole. Right. It's so interesting. Even today, I see it in, in, in certain areas. I think it's gone around for 2,000 years, but it's nothing new. But it's like, it seems that 
when you get into extremism, people want, especially in this one area, it's like people want to put everything off on the Lord. Everything, it's all the Lord, it's all the Lord. It's all. And when I look at the life of Jesus, he's saying, listen, it's not all me. You guys do these works. Oh, you have little faith. Why didn't you do that? Why did you doubt? He, they're, they're like trying to put it off on him. He's trying to say, no, be like me. Come on, you can get some results. You're not a nobody. It's like, it's all Jesus, it's all Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, if it was all me, then everybody would automatically be healed. Everybody would automatically be free. You look in the life of Jesus, it was so much of the time your faith made you whole, according as you believed. It's that people did what he said. It's so interesting that, to just think, we all know that it's all Jesus is the reason we're saved. But it's not all Jesus as the reason people have received their salvation. And it's not all Jesus as the reason people are healed. If it was, he would have said, according to me, you're healed, lady. See, Jesus blows traditional minds. Jesus blows religious minds. I love that when he appeared to Norval Hayes and said, how long are you going to put up those gross on your daughter's body? If you'll curse them in my name, they'll die like I curse the fig tree. If you believe and doubt not. I love that story. He got results. But there was a stand of faith. Sometimes I think the devil will relieve pressure from some people if they're deceiving a lot of other people until the end and he'll knock them out. Sometimes I think the devil will back off in some attacks at times if he's got somebody going down a wrong road and a lot of people following him. And they're thinking it's the blessing of the Lord. These things are, are powerful, guys. I mean, if Jesus said your faith has made you whole, why try to get something else out of it? Why try to get anything else out of it? <laughs> like, uh, Jesus, what you said was not the emphasis. I know something more than you know. <laughs> it's like, go to bed. <laughs> Take a bath or something. Don't be a teacher. Don't be a preacher. So, now listen. Here's what we got to do. You ready? Let me read these few words to you. There were many people touching Jesus who got nothing simply because of Jesus. If it was all because of Jesus, everybody who thronged him would have got something. Well, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. That's not what he said. Yes, when it comes to provision, it's all the Lord. But when it comes to receiving, we better exercise some faith and have some tenacity and some boldness and some, I'm not backing down, and some bold confession saying, if I do this, I shall be whole. Well, don't you think you'd better ask the Lord? No, He already told me He wants us well. He wants us healed. He wants us strong. You don't need to ask the Lord for something He wants you to already have and died to give you. You just appropriate it. Don't you go saying, if I do this, I will whole. What if it's not the Lord's will? Well, go read the Bible and know His will. Give me a break. You can't know the will of God. If you can read, you can know the will of God. But brace yourself. If you haven't read the Bible, and you start reading the Bible, you might have to find yourself repenting every page. It depends on how much religion you got in you. Now, Jesus could have said, Daughter, I made you whole. My power made you whole. My grace made you whole. But He didn't. So deal with it. <laughs> Many today are waiting for Jesus to do something. Jesus is waiting for us to do something. Can I ask you a question? What else does Jesus really need to do? Has he really not done enough? 
What else does he really need to do for you? Did, did you really have to get him? Did you really have to? Is it really, Lord, you'll do it, and you'll do it. Is, does he really need to do any more, church, really? Or should we just start taking by faith what he's already done? And start declaring boldly, I shall be whole. If I read this chapter, it's going to affect my health. If I, you, I mean, does he really need to do, I mean, how much more can he do than give your life? I mean, he, I know he ever liveth to make intercession for us, but when it comes down to receiving things that he's already provided, what else does he need to do? Well, it's all Jesus, it's all Jesus, it's all Jesus. Yeah, and he's done it all. How about we take hold of some of these things? Let's believe they're true. Let's talk like they're true. If his power flowed to whoever was close to him, then they all would have been healed that day. If his power alone made people whole simply because people were pressed up against him, they all would have been healed. But nope. Uh-uh. It's just this one woman that day who got a healing and he said the emphasis and the reason she was healed. Now get this, church. Get this for all time. Get this. Her faith made her whole. What do you think the Lord wants us to get out of that portion? Faith is very important stuff. What do you mean faith? Faith in God. Faith in Jesus. Faith in His Word. Faith in what? The power of God. Alright. Go to one more scripture. Genesis chapter 1. And I want to say this as you're turning there. We need to make room in our daily schedules for times of confession so that when we're pressured... <laughs> We're not caught off guard. Right? I mean, th think about this in the natural. When you're in school and you're preparing for a test, it's very important to go over the answers. It's very important to study. It's very important to read. But it's more important to have the right answers when you're actually being tested, not when you're preparing. And so I do say, that let's make room. We've got to make room for times of confession every day. So our angels have something to work with. So we're reminding ourselves, and then when the pressure comes, it's fresh on the inside of us. Right? And even then, don't freak out if the pressure is so strong you still slip once in a while. We need to make room in our daily schedules for positive confessions. Just out of sheer obedience to the Lord and out of sheer training and preparation for when the test comes that will have the advantage and quit slipping and not receiving when the pressure does come. Because see, if you're practicing and if you're training and if you're... And it's not just training. Don't get me wrong. Those words go out in your devotion time. But one of the greatest things it does is it'll help you to say the right things when you're not in your prayer time. You're in the world. Something comes your way and you're tempted to say things you shouldn't say. Well, if you've been confessing the word regularly, then you're going to be more prone to speaking those words when you're not in a confession time because you were speaking them in a confession time when the pressure comes. Right? We need to be speaking the word a lot more. When Jerry Savelle came the very first time to our church, he, he gave us a word that we really didn't want to hear. But he said that, uh, this church is doing, you know, you're doing good. You're confessing the word, but you're not confessing it enough. And you say, well, that's works. I just feel so about it. I just can never do enough. I can just never do enough. 
Watering is not works. It's watering. Uh, I guess I gotta get into works again and water my grass and water my plants. It's not works. It's watering. It's necessary. Yeah, but it's works. You know, if I have to do it, then I guess that's not the grace of God. I have to go out there and water my grass. I don't know why it doesn't just grow. I don't know why the Lord doesn't grow. Well, watering's not works. Watering is watering. <laughs> Confessing the word is watering a lot of times. It's watering seeds that are in you so they can grow up and be there and have a harvest there next time you need the fruit of that tree. And Anyway, we were sitting outside a while back on our porch and I was thinking about the words that we speak are actually watering of the seeds of God on the inside of us. And if you want those seeds to grow, you've got to water them. They can't just be planted through hearing the word once. Now you've got to water that with the confessions of that word you heard and appropriate that word you heard. And I thought, you know, watering is not works because sometimes people think, oh, how much more do I got to do? Probably a lot! You okay with that? you got a lot to do in the natural every day. You're not... You know, bummed out about that. Oh, I gotta put my clothes on, and I gotta take another shower, and I gotta lift my hands to grab a towel, and I've gotta prepare food, and I gotta go to the store, and I gotta buy groceries, and I gotta mow the lawn, and I gotta go to work, and I gotta work out, I gotta do this. Hey! There's a lot of stuff we're gonna have to be doing if we wanna live a successful Christian life. One of them is talk better. So, Genesis chapter 1. We've got to make room. Everybody say, make room. Make room. I don't think we should leave our house without making some powerful, bold confessions in at least three areas. Divine healing and health, prosperity, and protection. Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 31. You see it there? What does it say? And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What did it say? God saw. Right? God saw. Read the the first 30 verses. Not now, but read them. You're going to find over and over again, before God saw, God said. Let there be a firmament between the heaven and the earth. Let there be animals. Let there be trees. Let there be seed in themselves. Let there be this. Let there be an expanse. Let there be stars. Let there be the sun. Let there be the moon. Let there be, let there be, let there be. God said, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. See, he believes in confession. God said. God said. And finally, God saw that what he said had come to pass. I told you that was my last scripture. Just go to one more. Hebrews chapter 11. I just thought of one more scripture. Go to, go to one more. I said that was my last scripture, but the Holy Ghost obviously didn't say that, so I apologize. We'll look at this scripture and have this on your mind as we end the service here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Through faith. How were the worlds created? We understand that they were created through faith. Everything in creation came here because of the faith of God. How did God release his faith? He spoke. 
he said, let there be, because he believed in his heart, light was coming on the scene. And it did. and hasn't stopped yet. So God, everything we see in this creation was created by the faith of God and the Word of God. Through faith, we understand that the worlds, worlds plural, were framed by the Word of God. So that things that are seen, so I like to put it this way, child of God, things in your life that are seen, they're there because of invisible things. Things in your life that are seen were not made by things which do appear. They were made by things, but they were not made by things which do appear. But most people are working on the physical to change the physical. When the physical in a lot of people's lives is not physical at all. It was brought on by spiritual laws. Things that were set in motion long ago. And here's the good news. That guy who died before he was 40, I know that I know that I know if he would have received these teachings, he could have corrected those things and lived a long life. But I think what happened is he got to a place where he didn't want to live any longer. You can operate in negative spiritual laws for so long where you're actually okay with leaving early. And that's why some things can't be reversed because God won't make them stay. I mean, even in the tone of Elvis's quote there, you can almost tell. It's like, I don't know if we could have even talked him out of it with a Kenneth Hagin book or teachings like this. I don't know. It sounded like he was pretty set. You know? I'm okay with it. I'm not going to live very long. That's spiritual law. It didn't have to be, oh friend, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. People can live out their entire life no matter what's come against them in this life. They can overcome. They can adjust things they've been doing. They can put spiritual law into work for them instead of against them. You can actually talk yourself out of not wanting to live past a certain age. And because spiritual laws are set in motion long ago and you don't want them reversed, well, they can't be reversed by somebody praying for you. I say we live as long as we need to live to get done everything the Lord wants us to do. And then when we do leave, let's leave on our terms, not the devil's terms. Let's leave on our terms. So many times the devil tried to take Paul out and Jesus before their time. And they wouldn't let the devil do it. They had a job to complete. They had a mission to fulfill. Paul said, I must be brought before Caesar. I can't die in this storm. I must be brought before Caesar. I can't die of a deadly venomous snake bite. I must be brought before Caesar. I got a purpose in my life. I can't die. I got to do. They may stone me. I'll get up and keep preaching. I'm not, I got a purpose to fulfill. And then Paul the aged. Finally, he's ready to go. And he chooses. I think he chose martyrdom, right? He chose a better resurrection. But he was done. He completed his, the will of God. He fought a good fight. He finished his course. And he kept the faith. And he said, I'm ready to go. Let's see, how do I want to go? I think I'll go out as a martyr and obtain a better resurrection. Interesting. People don't think they have those kind of choices. They think, well, I don't know how I'm going to go. Well, just... That's yielding to the devil. You better have a little more say about it than that. Peter even, I mean, Paul even told the church, he said, all things are yours. Whether I, me, Cephas, the world, life, death, all things are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Praise the Lord.